There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Bin, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And welcome back from yet another hiatus. Did you turn on the microphone? It's on, yeah. Yeah, we're back from a... Illness hiatus? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess we could say it's a sickness hiatus. The listeners won't know, but... We know. Our... Everybody got sick. Lack of pre-recorded episodes tells us we are slacking. Yeah, but it's not really our fault, because we both got... Rather unpleasant illnesses. You got sick and then you got me sick. Yes. That's how that rolls. But it manifested in very different ways. Let's not discuss it in detail. But in any case, we're both mostly better, somewhat. Whose was grosser? Being sick is gross all the time. I think mine wins on the gross scale. Yours usually does. Yeah, okay. But we're back, baby. We are talking the season nine finale. Of Buffy. The Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Not the vampire lair. No, that's buffet. Buffet, my mistake. So, as per usual in this season, this arc is written by Andrew Chambliss with art by George Genty, and we're finishing overall pretty strong. Yeah, this is an arc. Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler, it's strong. Spoiler, I don't dislike it. Okay, I don't think that's a spoiler, maybe. Yeah, for this season it might be. Anyway, this one's called The Core, this arc. And we open up with Dawn. I don't know why I said that so excited. Like, and Dawn's here. I know. But Dawn is not really here. Dawn is in a coma and she has turned gray at this point. She's fading away. Quite literally. And luckily, our good friend Willow, the magical witch, is back with magic. As, yes, what would it be if you're a magical witch? Yes, but she didn't have magic for a while there. No one did. And Willow tries to bring Dawn back and nothing she's doing is working with any kind of real permanence. It's mostly hit or miss. Yeah, because Willow's magic, while it's there, it's not very strong. And Willow doesn't quite know how to manipulate it yet. Because Willow is kind of the source of magic right now. She's coming in with a lot of Kirby Crackle, but, you know, it's not quite enough to bring Dawn back from the brink of non-existence. Yeah, I just learned what Kirby Kirby Crackle was the other day. I'm sorry, what? Kirby Crackle. You try to say it seven times fast. You said Kirby Crapple. (laughs) Like Cran Apple. We passed a lane today that was called Cran Apple Lane. And I enjoyed that. Yeah, you said crapple. <laughs> Whatever. It's not what you said. You're like, it's like a combination of cranberry and apple. You it said, would be. You said crapple. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> Buffy's basically like, Willow, you left without saying goodbye and you came back and you still can't fix Dawn. So she's kind of just disappointed with everything. Yeah, because everything is about Buffy in this world, isn't it? It's literally called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I guess. You're so picky now. They don't know that. You're so picky. The characters don't know that. I feel like they should. And then Xander pops up with a bloody face. He's like, oh no, Simone and Severin, they tried to get me to turn to the dark side, but I definitely didn't do it. Side note, I totally did. Okay, as a totally unrelated aside, uh, seeing Xander's eye patch made me think of this. First of all, did you know there's a pirate party in Iceland? No. There's a pirate party, but the leader of the pirate party... (laughs) She had an eye accident right before she had to go on TV for a debate, so she had to wear an eye patch for medical reasons before she went on this debate on TV. It's like one of those things you need to clarify ahead of time. Okay, yeah, I know I'm wearing an eye patch. She did. She was like, my two-year-old scratched my cornea accidentally, and so... I'm wearing an eye patch on TV as the leader of the pirate party. So yeah, Xander says he's not betraying Buffy, even though in the last arc we saw very clearly that he is betraying Buffy. And he gets real uppity about it. Buffy's like, 
Were you not tempted by their offers? Like, how would I ever be tempted by their offer of returning Dawn to her former self? How dare you? We've been best friends forever. I would never do that. Side note, I suck. Yeah, it's not great. You want to deal with the Dawn and Xander relationship now? We can, sure. I don't like it. I don't buy it. I just find it odd and un... I don't know. It feels more like... So the Xander and Anya thing made sense. Xander and Dawn feels more like Xander is using Dawn as replacement Buffy. This... I don't know. The comics for a couple of seasons have tried and failed to create new characters with any kind of staying power. And Xander and Dawn feel like because they're there. Yeah. Which isn't a good basis for a relationship. It doesn't really make me care about them. And I don't really care about their motivation to either stay together or be apart. Like, just because two people are around each other doesn't make it a basis for a relationship. I know. And it's hard. It's hard. But there's very little lead up to it. Like, all of a sudden... Basically none. Yeah. So it would be one thing if that whole time that Xander was... Was Renee? Was that her name? Yeah, I totally bought the Renee thing. Right, like, that all made sense. But if that whole time, like, there was also an undercurrent of Xander and Dawn, like, Xander and Dawn are getting closer as just people and whatever, but that doesn't happen, then all of a sudden they're just together. I don't know. I just feel like this is a because they're there and established and we have difficulty making new characters. And all of a sudden they're living together, too. That's also a big step. Not that much time has passed. I mean, um, yeah, because, yeah, towards the end of season eight. So they've been living together for about a year now, towards the end of season eight. Now we're at the end of season nine. But I feel like they have not, I don't feel like they dated for that long before they started living together. Mm, It happens. Anyway, yeah. Anywho, I don't buy it. I don't care for it. It's not even the age difference. I just don't. I just don't see any chemistry in anything other than all of a sudden Don and Xander are dating. Yeah. There aren't even that many scenes with Don and Xander interacting like as one-on-one people in the majority of this season it felt like their interactions were like xander you know getting towards the edge of domestic violence yeah strained at best punching random things in rage is not strained that's dangerous yeah it is yeah i don't know i don't particularly love this but there you have it well buffy and xander are arguing about who loves don the most an explosion happens And Willow has kind of brought Dawn back. Sort of, kind of, not really. She's still super pale. It's basically like Willow woke her up out of her coma, but didn't actually solve any of the underlying issues. Dawn, with limited memories, doesn't know what to do. Xander and Buffy both try and reassure her that everything will be fine, but they can't quite do it. Yeah, and what we find out too is that Dawn has started to forget people. So before it was everybody was forgetting Dawn, and now Dawn is also forgetting other people. Like, she doesn't remember Willow... She doesn't really remember Xander, which makes sense, because they haven't really been a thing for that long. And Willow, back with some magic, mentions that a new seed needs to be born into the world, and the only place that they can potentially do this is in the Deeper Well. So we saw the Deeper Well in the television show when Angel and um, Spike went there. Yeah, in 5.15. Yes, there you go. And nothing really good came out of it. Yeah, they both walked down the same hallway about 17 times. The camera angle kept on changing, even though it was only about five feet of set. Seriously, go rewatch it. You'll watch Angel duck under the same thing about 17 times. And No, really, it's bad. Like, if you have an eye for this is the same set, just every time we change an angle, we keep on walking back down the same five feet. It's an awkward scene. It's rough. Trust me, go back. 
But if you don't remember, the deeper well is where we keep all of the demons. All of the old ones. All the original demons. No mixing of human blood. These are the baddest of the bad. And they live in a big hole. Called the deeper well. In coffins. Yeah. A hole that goes all the way through the world. The episode might have been called A Hole in the World. But they're not dead. That's important to know. They're just sarcophagi'd. Yeah, and they are watched by some other, like, sentry demons who are not bad. Used to be Drogon. Angel snapped his neck, drank his blood, so it's not Drogon anymore. No. Every time you say that, it just reminds me of Grogo. You know what really bugs me about that episode? Finally, I have a platform to talk about this. No. You know, 13 years later. Mm Mm-hmm. It should have been the Grusalug. Who did what? Who was the, the... Who was the keeper of the well? It shouldn't have been Drogon. Drogon was a character who was created on the spot. 100% should have been the Grusalug. Yeah, he would have been a great choice. Because they were like, I think, going, I I usually watch commentaries on things once. I believe the commentary said, like, we needed to come up with a character that Angel would trust implicitly. So we came up with a character whose, like, whole bit is he cannot lie. Yeah. Do the Grusalug! Right, that would have worked better. The Grusalug would have been a million times better than Drogon. On the other hand, if it was the Grusalug, then we wouldn't have got him in After the Fall, which he was fantastic in. Right, so like, I wouldn't want the Grusalug to die. I just want him, it just would make more sense for him to It would have made a lot more sense for Angel to implicitly trust the Grusalug over just guy we made up on the spot. Yeah, who says I can't lie. Yeah. Well, oh well. Drogon should have been Gru. Well... If you can turn back clock 13 years, then you can change that. If I could turn back time? Mm-hmm. I know that song. I'm so glad you picked up on that. Anywho, wow, 13 years later, got that off my shirt. Well, I'm really glad that you finally had somebody to tell this to. Other than me, because I've already heard this, dear listener. Have I said that to you before? They said when we were watching it? Yeah. Eh, probably. So. It should have been Gru. I'm really glad that somebody other than me gets to hear these thoughts now. I'm not wrong. Did I ever say you were wrong? Not that Drogon's a bad character, but... I never said you were wrong. Just guy who shows up and Angel's like, oh yeah, I know him. He can't lie. I never said you were wrong. I just, I'm glad that you were getting to express this to other people. Because all I can do is just go, yeah, you're right. Should have been Gru. Anyway. And considering how good of friends he was with like Andy Hallett and didn't seem to have a bad relationship with things overall, I imagine he would have come back. Anyway, back to Willow telling us about the Deeper Well... Look, she's telling telling us us information we already know. But basically she's saying, we got to go there, guys. That's where the magic is, and we need to fill me up with enough magic so that I can try and reverse whatever's happening to Dawn. And birth a seed. And also, hey, did you know the last old one to be trapped in there was this demon named Malachor, who created the first vampire? It feels like this is information that should have been shared sometime before, but hey, it's new now. So, anyway... Now that we know that. Not wrong. Again. Also, Buffy says nothing good happens whenever we go underground. Good point, Buffy. Sometimes she dies. Yeah, nothing really does happen that's good. Sometimes Spike dies. Trying to think of other times that went underground. Sometimes she's at a Christmas tree farm and the first threatens Angel with suicide. We passed like three Christmas tree farms today. We did. I'm sorry. Still thinking of underground scenes. Sometimes a demon that Anya vengeance is a thing that looks like bugs bunny that was in season seven Mm. i think i'm out yeah i I came up with quite a few examples you really did well done i also agree with buffy nothing good ever happens but also nothing ever good ever happens to you period so hey right above or below ground sometimes buffy is a corpse below ground and she has to crawl out her own grave got another one (laughs) (laughs) in this competition (laughs) against yourself you are winning still got it anyway 
So Xander's like, Severin really wants your, your vampire book because then he can just figure out what's happening in the deeper well himself. And they're like, what a good point. Let's read the vampire book to figure out the deeper well. And Xander's like, if you attack one entrance, probably the other one might be left empty. Everybody's like, yeah, you're probably right. So we should go to the one of the Cotswolds. Maybe Angel and Faith will see this on some kind of a map and say, like, hey, there's a bunch of demonic activity happening over there. But we're not going to deal with that because we're in London. Because we already dealt with that. And we're in London. But they're like, okay, bye, Don. We're going to leave Don with Andrew and the Enterprise D that he has hanging above her. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I'm talking about. Look, that's the Enterprise D. Well, I got distracted by the Ghostbusters poster. Yeah, there's a few properties that Dark Horse doesn't own in Andrew's room, but they certainly like to display the ones that they do with more prominence. Mm-hmm. So, Ghostbusters, Hellboy, things of that nature. Oh, yeah. So they're off to the deeper well, and Xander whispers to Don, I got this. Not the way that people think I got this, but I already did a thing. And so Kennedy, with her private jet, nicely brings them over there. Handy. And... When everyone leaves, everyone meaning Buffy, Willow, Xander, Don's still at Andrew's place, is left with Billy, who we don't care about, and Anaheed, who is, you know... A secret slayer. Well, we know about her now. They hear a... Thunk. They hear footsteps on top of the ceiling... Not being Santa Claus, Spike goes in through the window because Spike is back. And it's great that Andrew's there because he can actually identify Spike because the other two would have no idea who it was. Also, how can Spike go in to this residence? Andrew probably invited him in. Andrew loves Spike. That's true. And maybe more than a friend way. I don't know why you made a face of that. Because that's never been... Because poor Andrew has never expressed such designs upon Spike. Are you kidding? One's... He met Spike over on Angel. He was, like, patting him down by the pectorals. He's, like, you're back like Gandalf the White. And he's yeah. just started hugging him and just, like, serious bromancy. Or when they went off to that church and they talked about the Blooming Onions. Yeah, but I thought that they were just becoming friends. Andrew definitely has a bit of a crush on Spike. Maybe. But Spike comes in, and this is really, for me, the highlight of the arc. Just because I prefer character moments over... Kind of the bigger stuff they're going to be dealing with. Do you like a slow-burning character piece? A little bit, yeah. Like a really terrible TV show that I had to watch one time? Talk about Breaking Bad? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a slow burn. Do you know how many times you used the phrase slow burn when we were watching that? Probably every other episode. Probably every episode. Every single one. (laughs) Why won't you watch Better Call Saul with me? Ah, so weird, huh? (laughs) Spike comes in through the window, just says, where is she? And like, ah, Buffy's gone. He's like, I don't care about Buffy. I'm here for Don, and Don doesn't remember him. But but Spike still remembers Don. And he's going to be there for her, which says so much about the character for me. Like, I don't care about, like, Spike trying to be, like, the hyper cool or Spike as, like, the slapstick character that you beat around. The Spike that works for me is, well, I guess two versions of Spike. One, the petty version with Angel, and two, the guy that cares about the people close to him. Like, mm-hmm. those are the versions of Spike, and those aren't mutually exclusive. Like, those are the sides of the character that I enjoy the most. That's true. I've heard that many a time. I mean, there's the other bits of him, too, but for me, those are the ones that just work. That are the most endearing. Yeah. The petty one's real endearing. You love it. I love it. I think it's, it's hilarious. It's literally your favorite thing. I love him and Angelus. But while Spike is caring for Dawn, everyone else arrives at the Deeper Well, only to be met by De Hoffren's council, who were none too happy. Yeah, and there's, like, at least 40 of them. More than there were before. 
Yes. And Buffy basically says, to heck with this. I'm going inside. We're going to do some fighting now. And Hoffman's like, just kidding. We're here to stop you. So it's three of our intrepid, I don't know what. Slayerettes. Slayer and the Slayerettes versus like everybody else. Oh, we're going old school with our references. With the Slayerettes? Yeah. Yeah. And while they're at the main entrance of the Deeper Well, ready to throw down, we see that DeHoffrin and Severin are at the back entrance, where just the little girl with the balloon are guarding it. Yep, which is in New Zealand, by the way. I don't know if I ever realized that. And so we realize the depth of Xander's betrayal. And we open up our next issue with a bunch of hacking and slashing. Seriously, it's just blood and the scythe going through limbs, and Buffy just being splattered with blood while Willow's zapping people. And Buffy's like, I have to get in there. I have to go in. And Harvin's like, no. That's really what happens. Word for word. Look, there's a big old fighty fight. Yeah. So meanwhile, Xander's behind a tree texting Simone and Severin, are you in yet? And they're trying to get past the little girl with the balloon. And as they approach her, this talking balloon that we've been such a fan of explodes into a giant, I don't know. Cloudy demon thing? Of guts. Yeah. Big old demon of guts. And Severin grabs little girl from behind, zaps her power, and the deflated balloon sinks to the ground. I liked the balloon demon. I thought that was. I was cool... really yeah. sad that the balloon died. Just as a whole, I thought that was a really cool design. Me too. You know, and now that we're in 2017 and red balloons are all the rage again, it was nice seeing a red balloon prior to that that had a little bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could talk. That was fun. And they didn't all float down here. I have never read it or seen it, so that doesn't really mean anything to me, but I'm glad that it means something to you. I still haven't seen the new one. But in all fairness, I've read the book and I saw the 1990 miniseries. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the story. And so Simone and Severin need more time. I'm not really sure what for, but they do need more time, theoretically. They need more time to get inside of the deeper well so Severin can go back in time to save his girlfriend and Simone can remove the threat of Buffy. Or so we believe. Right, right. So, meanwhile, back at the home base with... Andrew. Andrew and and Billy and Anaheed and Spike and Don. Cute Devin Skypes in and he's like, Billy, you have to come back home. We're dealing with something really big here. And Billy's like, no, I can't come home. I'm dealing with something really big here too. And Andrew rocks by with a plate of chocolate chip cookies. What I really love about the end of the season is Billy is kind of working his way out of everything and they need to come up with a reason to get rid of him. They're like, oh no, things are bad in your hometown. Please leave the comic. Yeah, because the zompires in Billy's hometown are now eating people and they don't need invitations to get into people's house. Which we talked about before, like, the zompires not need an invitation? It is now established within the canon that no, they do not. Yeah, it's not great. So Billy and Anaheed are like, just kidding, we're going to go back home. And back home, meaning back to Billy's home base. And so Don and Spike and Andrew are the only ones who are now going to be left. Don has barricaded herself. In San herself. Francisco. Yeah, Don has barricaded herself in a bathroom because she's just miserable. She can't remember who she is. She can't remember anything. And she's slowly disappearing. It's, I mean, it would be a terrifying concept, like if you were to lose your memory of yourself and you just have people berating you, like, no, you're this, you're this, you're this. And... Spike starts to talk to her through the door. And he starts to tell her about herself in all these stories. And it's so lovely. It's mostly season five stuff. But it's still lovely. It is. I like it a lot. My favorite relationships with Spike are the ones where he's not trying to sleep with someone. Yeah. Or Angel. Yeah. I kind of like him and Gun. Spike and Gun. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't dislike Spike in anybody. Yeah, I guess. I don't think there's any active one that I dislike, but I like him and Giles a lot when they, yeah, were, living, when they were living together. I don't think that there that there's a bad mix in it. Spike and Xander is kind of meh. More like Spike doesn't have any patience with Xander, which is fine. Sometimes I don't have patience with him either. Yeah, let's wait till next season. But we return to the battle where things are going uphill, downhill. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. There's a big melee. One way or the other, Buffy is killing a lot of demons and Willow is certainly doing her fair share. And Xander is still texting behind a tree. He's a basic bitch. Yeah, and then he gets attacked, but luckily he has an axe. All three of them are fighting. And Buffy is attacked by one of the gargoyles that attacked Faith in the second arc of season eight that we talked about. <laughs> the one written by Brian K. Vaughn. Like, these look real similar. Yeah. So while Buffy's being pinned by this gargoyle, all of a sudden it's decapitated. By a magical glowy disc thingy. It's a pizza cutter. Owned by our very own Co. Mamma Mia, it's a Co. And Illyria's with him still. Yeah, looking like Fred. She's not blue. Dabba dee dabba die. Right, because Severin zapped all the blue out of her. And turned himself blue. Really nothing? Oh yeah, that was a song too. Thanks. Wow. And Co's like, hey, yeah, we gotta stop Severin and Simone, so let's get on down inside that deeper well. He's like, no matter what I do, my family will not be returned to me. So I'm just going to start to fight for you, Buffy. Oh, yeah, because you kind of skipped over the fact that he finally said his backstory. Oh, yeah. Totally skimmed over that. Yeah. Yeah, Ko's like, oh, hey, by the way, my family was killed. I'll never know why. It might have been done by a millennial old demon. I don't know any of those. There might be one to my right as we speak, but I don't know who did it. So anyway, I'm just going to keep on fighting for the now. Have I not really implied who it is? Well, you told me a long time ago. Look, it's real obvious. There's only one option. Okay, so anyway, back to Dawn and Spike. And Spike's been telling her stories, and it's lovely. He's like, you remember that time you snuck out of your house and went to the magic box and discovered you were the key? And I was there, and then I left a bunch of cigarette butts inside of an urn, and Buffy beat me up. Because she beat me up a lot in season five. And Dawn opens up the door, because... She feels safe being around Spike, and it's really, really sweet. And then Spike has a great idea to go and get a recorder so he can record all these stories for Don. Because he's beginning to forget himself. Despite his connection with her, Spike's memories are slowly slipping away. Because her name is Umad. Who? That's what Don said her name was in 608 Tabula Rasa when she was reading her Don name upside down. Yeah, yeah. Andrew was just eating cookies. Andrew likes a cookie. Yep. And so... I'm so glad that you got around to the Umad thing. Like, what are you talking about? I remember now. It was a good episode for season six, despite that season being generally awful. I have not watched these shows as many times as you have. Few people have. I'm sure a couple have. Oh, I'm sure they have too, but few. So with the Hoffren's army kind of beaten back, Buffy, Willow, Illyria, Cohen, Xander are all ready to go inside of the deeper world to save Dawn. When Xander gets real up, and he's like, I already saved her. And Buffy confronts him, and she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I betrayed you a bunch. Which, I'm not really sure how he's expecting them to take it, but they don't take it well. Well, I mean, he's expecting time travel, so this conversation could potentially never have happened. Yes, true. But this is, again, I don't buy Xander's betrayal, because, and they even bring it up in this arc, Buffy before sacrificed herself to save Dawn and threatened to kill anyone who was going to harm Dawn. And she would have done it. Like, I totally buy that in the season five finale. Like, if anyone tried to touch Dawn, if Giles tried to do it, if Spike tried to do it, anyone tried to do it, Buffy was going to kill him. 
Right, and so it didn't matter who it was. Buffy's priority was Don, and and Don and Don and Xander even brought that up. Yeah, like you did it before, so yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. And then he like, but his reaction is that at least even if they don't agree with him, they still will be like, "Oh, I get why you did it." Obviously, they don't because why would you? Xander for this arc and also next season as a whole are not endearing stories for Xander. No. And it's to a point, like, I don't really know why. I don't know why he's getting the kind of short end of the stick here. It just, it feels continuous, I guess. Yeah, I think... I don't dislike the character of Xander. Like, he's never, like, the guy that I go to. I'm like, I really like that guy, but I don't dislike him. So he just feels like in the books he kind of gets shortchanged for being the guy who's not flashy. Yeah, I think that part of it is that Willow went through a huge transformation, and Buffy also went through a pretty big life change in her world. Yeah, she went from being one girl in all the world, to two girls in all the world, to a general, to everyone hates me. Right, and so Xander, for the most part, has been pretty... The guy who sees everything. Solidly stationary. That sounds worse than I mean it to be, but... Yeah, that's fine. his, His world has not been nearly as rocked as everybody else's world's. And so I guess they're like... I mean, his town got blowed up, and then he was kind of a watcher, and then he dated a teenager. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. So Buffy gets pissed at Xander. She's like, yeah, no, what they told you is not the truth, and they're just going to betray you, and now we have to go save the world again. Dun, dun, dun! So we continue with the core. Severin and Simone are working their way down through the deeper well all the way to the middle of it, I guess, because you can't go to the bottom because it goes through the other end of the world. Right, but there's like conveniently a really large brick thing in the middle of it. A platform, if you will. Yeah. Severin, using Illyria's powers, is like, I think this might be my time travel spot. Yes. And meanwhile, everybody else is trying to figure out what's going on with Severin and Simone now that they know that they are in there. And Hoffman's like, yeah, we really do have to stop Siphon before he rips the universe apart. Because Buffy is talking to DeHoffert again after killing most of his army. Yeah. Never really established why. I guess that was an off-panel discussion. Also, I would really... Boy, I'd, I can't wait till we talk about Simone and Severin's plan because it makes no sense. Not really at all. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there because I don't want to spoil it yet, but we're not far off. But Buffy basically says to DeHoffrin, hey, they're in the middle of this and they're going to destroy the world. So we got to get down there and DeHoffrin's like, crap. Okay, fine. Go down there. And Buffy's like, yep, wasn't really waiting for permission. Really waiting to not be punched in the face. See ya. Yeah. And so Buffy and Willow head down to the platform from their end. In the middle of the deeper well. And while all this is happening, we see that inside of Andrew's apartment, Don is... Uh, doing a Back to the Future, and she is disappearing in front of them. Yeah. But she's not a photograph. Scarily enough, all of the recorded memories that Spike tried to save have disappeared as well. And Buffy and Willow both mentioned that they can't actually remember Don's name. Which gives them more purpose to jump further down the well. Which, you know, for all the Don haters, this might be the best thing ever. There are a lot of Don detractors. I bet. I really don't like Connor. Yeah, there's a lot of Connor detractors, too. You're one of them. Yeah, I really don't like him. I think there's a general hate for Don more than there is for Connor. I don't really love Don, but I dislike Connor much more. I like Connor. He's whiny. 
I guess Dawn is too. So while Willow and Buffy are going into the deeper well, Xander is being guarded by a green fat Buddha. And Xander returns this guarding by punching him in the face. And he gets a call from Spike at that exact moment. Which is good because then, also, did you notice what Xander is on Spike's phone? Wanker. Yes, that's his name on Spike's phone, which is kind of funny. How does Spike know who he's calling? Is he calling Angel? Is he calling Xander? Everyone's wanker to him. That's true. Maybe they have numbers as well. Like one, two, three, four. Yeah, could be. Yeah. But anyway, so we find out that Xander as well can't remember Don's name. But Spike passes the phone over to Don so that they can talk. And so Don can try and hang on to the world. And inside the deeper well, Simone abandons Severin. She's off to find someone. Maybe we mentioned the someone earlier in this arc just to pre-establish it. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. Well, it really wasn't us. It was really, you know, Andrew Chambliss. And so Buffy and Willow are climbing into these holes in the deeper well. They're trying to find Simone and Severin. And, and then all of a sudden... Willow's chest burst open with a giant red glowy orb something in oval shape some kind of egg one might even call it seed like weird and it's glowing and willow's like i think there might be enough magic down here for everyone to bring magic back to the world totally versus just me doing my thing hey i'm willow i got some magic and well willow decides that she can be the source of the new seed in the world bring all of the magic back simone is off doing her own thing where she is trying to bring back Malachor, the OG vampire, the one that sired the first human. The what? Oh, you heard me. I only wish that I hadn't. The original gangster vampire himself, Malachor! Yeah, because Simone has this grand plan. If you guys remember, Simone has been turning slayers into Zampires. Yeah. She's been turning them into vampires, but they're zompires because zompires plus slayer means whatever you want to call that. And so, Simone has a grand idea. So let's talk about that, because, look, we already know that her kind of general grand plan was to become a slay zompire herself. But, like, the master. So what the hell is Severin there for? I think she needed him to be able to get into the well. No, it's just a door. You walk in it. Yeah, and but she then needed you him to be able to, like, get through all of the defenses to get into the well no you just duck under the same rock 17 times because the set isn't that big well in the non-setted version of it there's the little girl with the balloon how is she going to defeat the little girl with the balloon she's a slayer kill it yeah but i think she had him there as like protection slayer i don't know slayer with guns it's not me i didn't come up with this plan stop trying to defend it it's a dumb plan severin is useless can we just call him useless well he got them in there did he is he actually yeah, he blowed up the little girl is he in any way necessary for this story he's more brute force than anything right now compared to simone who's been nothing but brute force he's basically a giant battery stop trying to defend it it's he's useless he is a useless character that adds nothing he should have died when he was first shot by dowling so just so we're clear we do actually kind of like this arc. I do. As a whole, I really do. But I just think Severin is useless. I think that the... I never really liked him, and I'm not ending this arc liking him anymore. I dig him stealing Illyria's power, and I dig him manipulating Buffy to be, like, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. When, like, he first showed up, he's like, Oh, no, I know about a nest of zompires. 
you're guilty, so why don't you come deal with this guilt nest? I guess my bigger thing is that I don't really understand. Simone keeps acting like she has this giant grand plan, and I feel like this is the moment when I'm supposed to figure out what her giant grand plan is, and I'm still a little fuzzy on the details. Basically, she wants to be a slay zompire vampire, but why? But she wants to be a pure one, so she has to release Malachor to kill her so she's not mindless. But then is her plan to release Malachor on the world? But then, like, why? Why does she want to do that in the first place? To prove she's better than Buffy? This is all weird and nonsensical. Right. At least Severin, I don't really enjoy him in this arc in particular, but I understand that he wants to try to get enough magic to turn back time so that he can make his girlfriend not He at least has, yeah. He I has at least, motivation. I understand the motivation very clearly. Compared to Simone, Simone uh, I want to be the very best like no one ever was. Yeah, it's just weird. It's like, you I want to be You get my Pokemon the... reference. No. In all fairness, I know next to nothing about Pokemon, but I do know a theme song. But with, um, with Simone, it was just basically like, I want to be the opposite of Buffy. So the opposite of Buffy would be... Faith. Or, I guess, a vampire-slayer combo. So Simone has raised Malachor, which is attacking what remains of Dehoffrin's army. So maybe Buffy shouldn't have killed all of them. And he is large and in charge. He's about 30 feet tall, and he is bat-like, but with arms and legs and a big old bat face. Yeah, he does look like a giant bat, though. That's true. I would never have thought of that. What with his bat-like features? Yeah, I guess. And Buffy comes across the corpse of Simone... Who, who has gotten turned by Malachar. Look, we've already basically said what's going to happen. She turns into a slave zompire, and she's like, ha ha, I'm the best. Meanwhile, Xander's face in the background is shock and horror. Like, he didn't understand that this was coming. It's like, oh no, I shouldn't have betrayed Buffy for villains. He's like, the villains betrayed me. What are the chances? And basically, Simone says to Xander, like, of course, idiot. Like, what did you think I was going to do? Exactly and, what I told you? And she punches him so hard, he goes upside down and lands on his head. Yeah. And Xander, like he's Angel or something, just says, Buffy. I know. It's not great. It would have been better if he would have come up with Dawn at that moment. Yeah. Whom he's supposed to be saving. Nah, that's a real Angel moment. I'm just going to, you know, say someone's name because I have nothing else to say. Softly, while I'm dying. Angel's more of a yeller, but yeah. That's true, I guess. So Willow goes flying through the deeper wells, trying to find where the magic is, and the magic is inside Severin. See, so he's like a giant battery. That's basically what he's there for. The magic was inside of him all along. Is that a song too? No. I feel like it is. It's just a dumb cliche. But Willow finds Severin. Severin is there, and he's just also quietly saying people's names. Claire, this time. His lady friend, who's dead. Mm-hmm. Because she was a zompire and then died because he took the zompire out of her. Mm-hmm. And Illyria and Co are helping the fight against Malachor and Illyria says, I'm out, bitches, and runs away. Kind of. Or she says, Severin can't contain my power. I have to help. Pretty much. Because he's going to end the world. And I'm kind of part of it, so I'm not down with that. Yeah, so she abandons the Malachor fight. Which is basically a lost cause. Everyone's dying. Right, um, so she abandons that fight to go try and save the world from the other way by not letting all of that power overwhelm and explode. Basically blowing up, yeah, blowing up the world from the inside out. Yeah. So we find out some bad news about that seed. So we're like, yay, a seed, the seed will save Dawn. And then we find out... The seed doesn't have enough mojo behind it. Yeah, 
And that, in fact, the seed, because the seed can talk. Look, we're going to deal with magic as a being next season. Okay. Well, anyway, the magic tells Willow that the seed needs millennia to kind of get its life together. So It, it needs some gestation. Right. And so there won't be enough magic for the world for thousands of years. Which is no bueno, because Don has about 36 seconds. But... What human battery full of magic do we have down here with us in the new seed? Thank God. That Severin is there! Yeah. whoop de doo I guess. <laughs> you seem less excited about Severin now. Look, I'm all for bringing magic back to the world and the arc being like this big bad thing of like the first vampire and all this crap. But at the same time, there's a lot of plot convenience and a lot of lacking motivation. There is. I mean, all that it would have taken is for the seed to actually just be powered up when it was first created, and then we would never need Severin. Yeah, we could just cut him out of the scrap entirely. But, but, it will be very useful in a moment. Um, on the other hand, there is something that happens next year coming out of this that, eh, you could have written another way around it, but either way. Anyway, it happened. Severin is down. He is ready to explode. He can't contain Illyria's power and all of a sudden he sees his lady Claire. Except it's Illyria. I was gonna build up to it more but yeah it's just Illyria. He's like Claire she's like nah bitch it's Illyria. She doesn't actually say that. It'd be funny if Illyria said that. Yeah but I can't ever imagine that. Illyria's like you need to contain this or it's gonna kill us all and he's like I can't and then Willow's like hmm my best idea yet I'm going to try to channel your power through the seed and thus jumpstart the seed yeah they all just kind of show up in the same spot it's kind of weird Will is like here I am I have a thing that you might be able to channel all of this unbridled energy into also can we talk about the fact that this platform is supposed to be exactly in the middle of the well right I'm assuming and they've come at it from different directions but still we're talking about going all the way through the world halfway down yeah and it's like I don't know, three seconds to get there? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, while all of the convenient magic stuff is happening in the middle, Buffy and Simone are fighting inside the deeper well, destroying sarcophagi after sarcophagi. What's the plural of sarcophagus? No, you're right, sarcophagi, I think. And demons aren't exploding out of them for whatever reason, even though they've been contained within there for, you know, at least five years or a millennia. Yeah, and... It just is a big, long fight that takes place over, like, three different sections, so. We're at the point that was your most emotional point with this particular arc. Can we all guess that it's a character moment? I did get emotional about this bit. You want to do it? Yeah, sure. So, Illyria is trying to talk Sev down because he's, like, ready to explode. He's ready to snap, crackle, and pop. And he's like, I'm, I have to go back. I have to save Claire. And Illyria's like, you can't do that it's not gonna work and he's like it has to work i have to save her and Illyria's like look you're not the first person to want to go back to save the person whom he loves but i had a friend this friend tried to do something similar oh. he became obsessed with trying to return his love to the world and he wasn't able to do it and he was finally only at peace when he let her go and he couldn't live without her and we're talking about less your absolute favorite yeah, this is the last time we get reference of Wes. Severin asks how he was able to go on, and Illyria just says... He didn't. He died. And we have a flashback to Wesley's last scene living, like, pre-after the fall, when Illyria is pretending to be Fred, cradling his dying body, as Wesley hears a lie going into death, meant to comfort him. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make you well up a little bit, you're an inhuman monster. 
And so Sev is like, okay, what do I need to do to save the world instead of destroy it? Nice turn on this, Sev. You're doing crappy for the most part. And Willow leaves the seed with Illyrian Severin, and Illyria is going to help him channel the power of his magic into the seed to save the world and tells Willow that she needs to go. And Illyria is ready to sacrifice herself for the sake of the world. Big turn for Illyria. I also buy it. Also, I enjoyed this moment where Willow says, Gotta say, not what I expected from someone with the last name, The Merciless. Also, I really just enjoy the idea of Illyria's last name being The Merciless. Illyria The Merciless. Yes. But it's true. It's not It's not what Illyria would have done prior to all of this happening with Wesley and everything. But I, mean, I, I totally buy that she's doing it now. Especially, I mean, we don't reference it directly, but with the stuff from After the Fall where she gets flooded with everyone's like positive memories of Fred. Yeah. That she would want to save the world. That Illyria isn't... I mean, she literally went from being willing to destroy everything to sacrifice herself based on people loving Fred, and I buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Malachor is still a thing because why the hell not? It's a finale. So Willow climbs back up to where Xander is, picks him up along the way. Co is like, I'll occupy the beast. Meanwhile, Simone comes back and has stabbed Buffy through the shoulder and is carrying her around like that. She staked her, really. Yeah, she did. But it's through the shoulder. Yeah, well, I mean... Because we can't actually kill Buffy right now. It's not a shot through the heart. Simone's to blame. Does she give love a bad name? I don't know, but I was going to say Malachor does, Illyria. Severin gives love a bad name. There we go. Found the guy who gives love a bad name. Possibly also Xander. Not Xander? I was like, Xander gives Xander's love a bad fault. name. Everything is Xander's fault. And we see the nearly deceased corpse of Buffy. I guess that doesn't quite work as a sentence. The nearly... Deceased body? Yeah, I guess. Going... And Simone just goes, who's next? So, not a great start. And O'Leary's just trying to get Seb to hold it in a little bit longer so that these guys have a chance to escape. You know, you really glossed over a page that may or may not be up in my store for display. This one? Yeah. This one's up there too? Yes. Oh, would you look at that? I got the other one. I've had a couple now. Yeah, that. I think this might be the last one. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's in the store. Hmm. Of Valeria trying to contain the seed's power along with helping Severin. It's also going to be the thumbnail for this episode. At least one of the panels. Ooh, cool. If you go on YouTube. So, Simone throws Buffy's body back to her friends. She probably just should have killed her. Yeah. She really added her to disadvantage. What with the giant puncture wound from back to front. Mm-hmm. And so, they basically explain to Buffy real quick what the situation is. It's not great. Things are about to blow. Magic may or not be happening. We're all gonna die. Malachor's loose. Also, Simone just stabbed you through the shoulder. And Buffy's like, great, cool. Grabs a sword and is ready to go. Yeah, somehow Buffy got her speech back and is now standing again. So Malachor picks her up and Buffy is half the size of his face. Like, he is a big old dude. Mm-hmm. Does this Malachor stuff really seem necessary or is it really just there because it's a finale? A finale. Man, I liked this arc more before I started talking about it. Sometimes that happens. I like this arc. I like this arc, but I it falls into the trap of we need to stretch this out so that it makes a finale. When Yeah, this falls very much under the heading of writing for a trade. Yeah, if if we were just writing this for its story alone, probably it probably could have been done in three issues instead of four. Well, this is, yeah, I mean, we might be able to even do it in two. Because a lot of unnecessary complications happen, like the seed needing to be jump-started, Sev blowing up, like... Malachor being in general. There. 
Yeah, just the Buffy and Simone fight taking, like, literally six pages. So, Buffy's about to be in by Malachor, and Ko, who decides to be useful, dives forward and messes him up, knocking Malachor deeper into the deeper well, the sub-deep well. Mm-hmm. But, conveniently, they grab somebody's staff, the wizard's staff, on their way down. There's a wizard that was part of Dehoffrin's group, and Willow brings everyone up right as the seed is about to explode with power, and Malachor is turned to dust, Illyria is turned to dust, Severin is turned to dust, and everyone else escapes, and Illyria is dead. With, yep, yeah. Which is kind of a big deal, but as this magical bubble of people not being dead goes through the deeper well simone grabs buffy and drags her back down meanwhile the deeper well is starting to collapse in on itself which makes sense there's been a very traumatic explosion and so simone and buffy are fighting over the scythe they're just things are not good yeah simone grabs buffy drags her down and just goes if i'm gonna die down here so are you Buffy goes, no, I let you steal my slayers. I let you twist what we were about. I let you terrorize too many people. But now, now you've turned yourself into everything I'm not, and I'm going to stop you. Good luck. The scythe is mine. No, it's mine. And I'm sorry I ever used it to make you a slayer. And Buffy stakes Simone as she turns to dust. And then the whole tree in the Cotswold explodes. Yeah, the one that was the doorway to the deeper well. It's left with a smoldering crater, and Willow, DeHoffrin, Co, and Xander are all flung from it. Xander's like, phew, we all made it. And Willow's like, no, we didn't. Buffy's still down there. And we see a scythe emerge from the crater. They go, Simone, which is a totally useless bait and switch because we just saw Simone die. Right. So, cool. Instead, it's Buffy. Because we already knew that. And magic's back. Oh yeah, magic's back in the world. Illyria and Severin have done a thing, and they're like, I can't believe that Illyria sacrificed herself, and Ko's like, you know anything about old ones? We'll see if she's dead or not. And Spike's like, I know Illyria! Where was she all this time? We haven't hung out in a while, ever since we fought off all those vampires outside the Twinkle premiere. Oh yeah, I forgot that's what it was called, wasn't it? I like how you're cringing, but it was meant to be a joke. I know. Anyway. Does Twilight just hurt you? It hurts me. Yeah. So Willow, with her newfound magic, goes about making a spell to make Dawn corporeal again because Dawn has disappeared totally. Side note. We kind of skipped over that. Dawn's gone. 100%. Well, to be fair, we didn't really know that either until we saw that scene. I don't think we'd really mentioned it. And we don't know what to do, except we go back to some season five logic of Buffy and Dawn are the same, even though they never actually explained that in season five until the finale. That the monks made Dawn out of Buffy's blood. Seriously, that doesn't work in the 100th episode. Eh, whatever. It, it doesn't at all. That was never actually established. They established that they like had a connection, that there was Summer's blood, and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't until actually the episode where it mattered that they said that, you know, whatever. Getting sidetracked from a thing from like 17 years ago. Because we're going to just use the same logic here again. We just need Buffy's blood. Yeah. And because the monks made Dawn out of Buffy's blood. Thanks for not bringing that up until it was relevant or until you were written yourself into a corner. A little bitter, huh? Uh, it didn't make sense then. It only makes sense now because of a crappy excuse 17 years ago. Well, whatever. And Buffy's blood is used to bring Dawn back to life. Except that we're not really sure if it worked or not. Dawn's not there and we're kind of like freaking out. And all of a sudden, from the back, Dawn goes, too late for what? Oh yeah, 
Don's alive again. Yay, everyone's happy. And Xander goes to embrace her, and she gives him a gentle kiss on the cheek. And he walks away, mortified. Buffy follows him, and he just says, she knows. She knows that I betrayed you all. And Buffy's like, I think it's you. Don's gonna understand. It's all gonna be fine. We've also all turned evil, like, a bunch of times, and you really haven't done it, so if this is your first go-round, you don't even get to have a punch card yet. Yeah, and Buffy's basically like, okay, let's look at the consequences of what has happened. Dawn's still alive. The world is still together. We actually brought magic back to the world through this whole endeavor. Simone's dead. She's been a bit of a pain in the ass for the last couple of years. Severin's dead. So we're kind of fine. Like, everybody's going to forgive you in the end. It's okay. We can fast forward to that part. Or will it be? But he has to forgive himself first. He's also back to wearing his weird watcher sweater. The one with the patches. Yeah. His shoulder patches and his elbow patches. It's an odd moment. But I do really like this moment where Dawn comes up to find him. And she's like, what happened? What's wrong? I don't even get it. And Xander's like, I think we should have at least 24 hours together before I complicate things. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. But speaking of things getting complicated. They go back to the vampire book to check some things out. The vampire book. Yes, the vampire book. And they to check some things out. Except that they open up the book and it's totally blank. Because there's a new seed, they've totally rewritten how magic works. So, sorry about that, guys. Whoops-a-doodle. We'll see what that causes us for problems next season. And we end Buffy Season 9 with a girl who has recently been sired, turning into a vampire, killing the zompires around her, going into the sunlight, turning into a bat, and crashing through a window. So, things aren't looking great. So, you know, the opposite of everything we know. Let's just break all the rules. And leave us on that cliffhanger. Except there's one shot after. To get rid of Billy. Okay. I mean, to wrap things up. So for all of our rather rocky relationship with Billy, I actually don't really mind this one that much. I mind it because it's there just to get rid of him. It's there to correct a mistake. It's kind of like the Spike miniseries where the Spike miniseries was there to get rid of the bug ship. This one shot is here to get rid of Billy. But I do like that it gave Billy a nice little ending. (sighs) Okay, so... Billy and Anaheed fly back to home. I can't remember where home is, but somewhere else. Somewhere underneath the tarmac. Yeah. And... So you can watch planes. They're all freaking out because there are these zompires that now are eating people and don't need to be invited into homes. They can just come in and eat all the people. But I would have thought that when Billy, the untrained teenager, went into the library to kill like 20 of them, that he got every one of them just fine. Weird. He didn't. Isn't he the best ever? But Billy's grandmother, Skye, shows up with Cute Devin. Full name. Yes, full name. And Billy is so excited to see Cute Devin, and that's kind of sweet. And Cute Devin's really excited to see Billy, too. That's also really sweet. Because there's a bunch of zompires, and Cute Devin likes to watch boys die. Oh, yeah, I'm not dropping that. He likes to watch boys die. I don't even know what that is. We did that when he was first introduced, and it was just putting him in deli situations where I was convinced they just wanted to watch Billy die. No, Cute Devin loves Billy. He wants to watch boys die. And Billy loves Cute Devin and it's sweet. And he wants to watch boys die. Okay, anyway, moving along. Um, So, our new little band of Mary Slayer-ish people. They don't get Slayerettes. They get Slayer-ish. Slayer... They get Slayer Nets. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. That was awful. Yeah, I tried. That was terrible. Thanks. Well, you know, I like to praise the good ones. So... It turns out that the Zompires have been taking over street by street in this town, and Cute Devin's house is up on the street that 
the zompires are next going to attack. Thank God they're so coordinated. I know. But Cute Devin's dad refuses to evacuate like everybody else. And so Cute Devin is really worried about his dad, basically. In all fairness, I would have the same stance. I know. <laughs> Leave your home. Now. I know. I did think about that while I was reading this. I was like, that's difficult. <laughs> I paid for this. I'm staying. Meanwhile, the boys are like trying to get stakes and get their lives together so that they can get Cute Devin's dad out of here when the zompires break through the ceiling, which is not good. Look, Billy kills it, and then, as one does, he breaks up with Cute Devin. Yeah, it turns out that he and Buffy had a conversation a while ago about whether or not a slayer and a watcher could ever actually have a thing going on, and... She's like, look, me and Giles never could, because that would have been a lot weird. Yeah, and Buffy's like, basically, if you're a slayer, you have to make some really tough choices, and that doesn't always go so well with romantic relationships, because you can't choose the one person over the world. Sometimes you have to send them to hell, sometimes they go to Central America, sometimes they burn up in a fiery pyre, sometimes they come back and you birth a new universe. Yeah, Sometimes they're there to help you with a robot abortion. So, Buffy has some complicated relationships. Sometimes they're Parker, the most normal and best of all of them. She's really just trying to save Billy here from making some really difficult decisions. So she... Look, realistically, after all this, I think Parker kind of wins. I don't think he does. Terrible in the moment. Most normal of the bunch. Weird. So, So normal is terrible now? Compared to everything else? Anyway... Yeah, so Cute Devin is officially dumped by Billy because Billy wants to have hand in this breakup. You haven't seen that Seinfeld episode? Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's a Costanza thing. Oh. But Billy's done this whole thing. He's broken up with Cute Devin while not wearing a shirt. Because he has so many abs as a teenager. He does. So in the middle of this, Cute Devin's dad interrupts and he's like, What's happening? Who is this guy in here? Why is this happening? Hold up, he dumped you? Yeah. He's like, is this your boyfriend? And Cute Devin's like, no, he's a slayer. He's not. And and Cute Devin's dad is like, he dumped you? No. And then he's I also like, like how Cute Devin's dad has a shotgun and he's shooting zompires. He's like, he dumped you. And then he turns to Billy, shotgun in hand. I know. Like, threatening. Actually, we're together. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Or we're not. Billy's it like, really depends on what you want here, sir. Billy's like, it's mutual. Promise. Whatever whatever it is, it's mutual. And Cute Devin's like, it is not mutual. Poor Cute Devin. At this point, I'm kind of feeling like for Billy because there's a guy with a gun like... I feel bad for poor Cute Devin because he got Billy to come back. And then he's like, Billy! And then Billy's like, I'm done with you. And Cute Devin's like, you can't make something mutual by calling it mutual. I'm really with Cute Devin on this one. So you're on Billy's side and I'm on Cute Devin's side. I'm certainly not on the dad's side. <laughs> I'm on the guy with the gun being like, broke up with my boy. Pretty not much. on that guy's side. Whatever side. I guess actually I'm on his side because if there's a man who's like, you broke up with my boy, I'd be like, no, yes, maybe. What do you want here? <laughs> I'm one on other. I'm on the side of me not being shot as. Yeah. That is my side. And while all of this is going on. The zompires are still attacking. Sky drives her hippie van through the zompires. But she's managed to stick a whole bunch of wood into the front of it by driving through a fence. So it's basically like a driving stake van. It's like Gunn's truck. Yeah, it's really helpful. Let's just keep referencing Gun until he comes back. Yeah. Guess what? Not gonna happen. Yeah. I know, bummer. I like that cute Devin here is like, you know what? Buffy's not always right. It's like, I adore her as a person and as a strong blonde concept, but this time she's wrong. And I kind of like that somebody in this world is like, yeah, Buffy's not the be all and end all. 
I do actually appreciate that. I do too. I I actually quite like cute Devin. You know what would suck? Now that I'm just talking about gun out, because we don't cute Devin in our world, and by in our world I mean the Buffy world. <laughs> Get rid of Billy. Bring in cute Devin. We're bringing Billy and cute Devin, but I feel like Billy, I don't like Billy. I I feel like Billy needed cute Devin to make him. Does cute Devin need Billy fun? though? Because the answer is no. I like cute Devin. So now you're a cute Devin side I don't again. Like, I don't like Billy. Billy sucks. Billy is just trying to figure out who he is. I like cute Devin though. You know, we can kind of talk about it in a minute, but. Just thinking about the series as a whole, like, right now there hasn't been a season 12 announced. Because mm-hmm. we're recording when season 11 is still happening. And how disappointing it would be for some characters, like, if there was just nothing else, like, with no kind of wrap-up, no kind of anything. Like, how disappointing it would be for, like, Gunn or Connor. Yeah. Like, if there was just nothing else. Yeah. And I don't, at this point, I don't know. And also the season 11 finale hasn't happened yet. I think by the time this episode comes out it probably will have in fact i know it has when do these things get announced uh depends okay well keep us posted i don't know i mean we're still a little ways away from the end anyway back to cute devin and billy oh yeah so billy they're... sucks devin is fun <laughs> i think that billy would be more fun if cute devin were there all the time anyway and as they're all about to die sky drives through all of them with her new gun van and kills all the zompires yay Yay, Sky. So they jump in the van, Sky drives them away, and while this is all happening... Billy has a vision of the first Slayer. With fire. Because maybe he was a Slayer all along. And so he rushes into the Zompires and yells, Get away from my boyfriend! And then lights them all on fire. Yeah, and kills everyone. Yeah. And then Billy and Cute Devin are back together. Which is cute. I like them together. I don't. Because you want better for Cute Devin. (laughs) I really do, because Billy sucks. I want Cute Devin to get his wish and watch a boy die. No. And then find someone better. That's not what Cute Devin wants. I think it is. And they're going to stay there to defend the town against vampires, and they're all together again, including Anaheed, who's there because who the hell knows. Yeah, because I guess they need a slayer to actually show them what's going on. And so ends season nine as a whole. Angel's done, and now Buffy is also done. Thoughts? Criticisms? I overall liked this arc. I think that it had some moments that were a little confusing, but overall I liked the general gist of it. Motivationally unsound? More like, I just, I felt like I missed a panel or two in there somewhere, but since you're saying this too, I generally just blame myself thinking that I missed the panel, but since you're saying these things, it makes me feel less like I missed it. Because I've read it a couple times here or there. So, I don't know. I like the... I like the whole idea of it. I like trying to save Dawn. I like the whole Dawn slowly disappearing thing. That makes perfect sense if there's no magic in the world. Well, it works with the Connor side, too. Like, Connor loses his magical memories. That works. Dawn fading away because of the season 8 fallout. That works. Yeah. I wish that... I guess I wish that the Dawn thing... There was... It was very, very, very gradual, and then all of a sudden it happened all at once that she started to disappear. But... But that's okay. I can forgive that as well. Because I like the concept. Art-wise... I think this is, at least on the Dark Horse side of things, I think this is our strongest stuff. I have a real soft spot for After the Fall and Franco Uru. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, when we're under one roof and we're dealing with just Buffy and now we've been dealing with Angel, I think that Buffy Season 9 is probably the strongest art we've seen. Yeah, it looked really good. And, and even when I wasn't such a big fan of... The art was dynamic as hell. Like, it was breaking panels and the layouts were very unique and it was 
um, I don't know what the term I want to use is. I don't want to say it's experimental because it felt like season eight, even though season eight was bigger in terms of scope, the art felt more restrained. And this felt like the art was allowed to flow a little bit more outside of your average, like, page layout. I don't know. Maybe I'm describing that poorly. No, I know what you mean. I think that makes perfect sense. But I was just thinking about the fact that we talked about at the very beginning of this season that season nine is very much the consequences of season eight. Which we've never seen before. On both Buffy and Angel. And I thought that Buffy really struggled to find its footing, but Angel did really well dealing with that on the smaller scale. But Buffy found it at the end here. I think that this the second this to last arc, arc, I think, is what really brought it in for me. Like, yeah. introducing Illyria, which I thought was genius. Like, because not just having Buffy and Angel be separate entities, but having an Angel character come over and play a major role in a way we've really never seen before. Like, the most we ever got in the shows was like, here's a guest spot, here's a guest spot. But we've never really seen someone come over for any significant amount of time, unless you want to, I guess, except for Spike in an entire season. Yeah. Or Wesley and... You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, But yeah, so I I really like... For the few things that we were less excited about in this last arc, I thought that this is where Buffy really found its footing in these last two arcs, dealing with the whole Dawn thing and, and how to bring her back and the consequences of not having magic on a very... Not small scale, but on a very personal scale for Buffy. Um, It's hard for me to kind of walk around this because clearly these are stories that i love but with stories especially ones that have been literally going since 97 you're gonna have ups and downs and i think this is one of the singular worst seasons as a whole storytelling wise and and doing this show like the whole point of the show is to like elevate like isn't it amazing like buffy continued on the comics and it's all great and all that crap but at the same time this is one of the worst seasons as a whole, at least in my opinion. I mean, I'm one's like I'm not really a fan of season six. I'm not really a fan of season one, and I'm not really a fan of season nine storytelling wise. I always feel bad because I don't want to include the art in that because I love the art this season. Yeah, I have a little more patience with it than you do storytelling wise, but I think that it's hard, especially having Angel going on at the same time. Because the angel stuff really found a good spot for it to live in and for that for this season to find its own place, but definitely be grounded in the consequences of season eight. And I think that Buffy really struggled to find that similar niche. And since yeah. they were going on at the same time, it's really hard not to compare them. I know we brought that up in the beginning. Like, is it to its detriment or its benefit that it like doesn't really escape the shadow of season eight and i think that it's a benefit for angel and somewhat of a detriment to buffy yeah which doesn't really give a definite answer but well it all just it shows two different sides of the same coin i think yeah it just it shows how that can be taken both ways and how it worked really well for the angel story because it it kind of had an overarching story whereas buffy the character of buffy didn't know what to do with herself at the beginning and that meant that the whole didn't know what to do with itself at the beginning. They f***ed up that abortion metaphor, didn't they? Well, I just... I th- it's not good. <laughs> they tried some things, and they fell flat. Even, like, Gurney and Billy, that. they tried some things, and it fell flat. Like... Even Dowling. Like, Dowling isn't bad on paper, I guess, but he's not really going to have a role in the future. This season continues 
the struggles of season eight of trying to bring in new characters and having them really go nowhere. Ko is going to have a bit of a future, but who we really had that had staying power, like the ones that I like so far have been like Satsu, Renee, Renee is dead, Satsu's in Japan, Dowling, who's going to go away real fast, and Ko, who's going to have a bit of a role. Yeah, I I think it's just hard. I think that, I don't think that they ever gave Dowling a ton of anything i think that they could you can that's the problem comics don't have the luxury that television has buffy isn't designed to be an ensemble book it's not designed to be a never-ending thing like you take an ensemble thing like let's just throw like the x-men like you can have a ton of different x-men titles and you've had you know 50 plus years working off the same stories and you within 50 years you can do that buffy doesn't have that luxury it's designed to emulate a tv show there is a season but within that season you don't have the time to dive into like full like a and b plots per episode yeah you might be able to do an a and a b plot per season but not which is kind of what angel did which is kind of why it worked i don't know and so playing devil's advocate which also i don't agree with but i will throw out as a possibility Mm -hmm. does angel benefit from having fewer characters Side note, I want all of the characters, but from a storytelling point of view, does it work better? Angel didn't have fewer characters from a storytelling point of view. We just, we added in Lavinia and Sophie and Alistair. But we didn't, they don't carry an arc. Like, we get some backstory for, I forget which one had the World War One boyfriend. Right. But it's ba- it's Angel and Faith. It's not Angel and Faith and Gunn and Connor, the Grusalug, and whoever the hell else might be around. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I know what you're t- I know what you're saying. And I know that you also love the ensemble with all of your heart. Um, I want all of them there. I don't even care if they don't have an arc. I just want Gun and Connor walking around being like, let's go stake some vampires. Well, see, that's the thing is that Sophie and Lavinia, for their interchangeability for the most part, kind of serve that purpose of being the, not sounding board for Angel, but kind of the counterpoint to Angel. like The Spike or the Anya or the Cordelia. The guy go... They played that. The... the voice going everything you're doing is stupid and you're gonna fail right so they played that really well and alistair played giles he played the exposition fine but you need those pieces in there and so there's no reason why those couldn't be filled by other angel cast members that we haven't seen in a while i mean they played that with gun a bunch gun quite often was the guy who could see the bigger picture more than the rest of them yeah so so, they did that more than once, mostly because I feel like they didn't know what to do with gun. Also, 17 years too late on that criticism, but hey. So, anyway, back to your actual question. I think that I do not think that Angel benefited from having a smaller cast because it didn't really. It just well, didn't have the cast, the original Angel cast. If you look at After the Fall, I don't think it faltered there for having a larger cast. No. Granted, different editors, writers, artists, all that stuff, but still, I think it can work. I think it can too. I just clearly because it's been proven to work, and that was an insanely large ensemble story. I think that part of the problem was that we don't really need to see Nina again. The Angel had a really clear motivation for that season, and Buffy did not. And the whole point, of, the whole point of season eight, is that Buffy's like, I don't know what to do with myself, and it kind of felt like the whole season was, I don't know what to do with itself either. Either way, we're going into season ten. Magic is back, and. Quite frankly, I am glad to be rid of this season. This felt like, as a whole, whether or not there were certain points that worked well, this was a reactionary season, and I am glad that we can kind of... Move on to something fresh. Yeah, get away from season eight, because, I mean, 
season eight lasted a million years like four years this was another two years season 10 is what it's just a year right that's another two okay but still like we've been living in this world for six years it's time to taylor swift it what does that mean shake it off and on that note friends where can we find us (laughs) ah yeah EditorsNoteComics.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to get the show a week early, go to Patreon.com slash EditorsNoteComics. One dollar a month will get you this show a whole week early every single week. Find out what's happening in Season 10, a generally superior season. And also just say hi to us, because we like that. At EditorsNoteComics at gmail.com or those social media thingy mobs. New creative teams next year. But still us. Yeah. On this end. So, see you then. We'll be back. Let's talk about some stuff. Bye.